In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, The Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Politically Georgia podcast, where we bring you news and analysis from all the latest Georgia shenanigans in Congress and under the Gold Dome. And today we're joined by grizzled AJC legislative veteran, James Salzer. Hey, James, how are you? Good. Um, Sorry, we're not here to talk about European soccer. Um, I can talk a little about United, but yeah. but yeah, yeah. Um, No, but we're here to preview the start of the Georgia legislative session, which begins with a bang on Monday. And actually, like, the pregame kind of festivities actually begin Sunday with the annual Wild Hog Supper, um, which we were talking about earlier. We both usually don't partake in. We go to the event, but we don't really eat the hog. We watch people eat Yeah, from the Wild Hog. Yeah, and for those who are the uninitiated, um, it's about 300 people, uh, probably more than that. Probably more than that. Yeah, hundreds of people at, uh, at a building right outside the state capitol picking over several— The carcass. The carcass of several giant hogs. And, um, yeah, uh, <laughs> no, we'll leave the rest to your imagination, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> but lawmakers are going to get right down to business on, on Monday, um, for the start of the 40 day session, which is 40 days, but usually lasts about three months and it's election year. So that will kind of color and shape everything that happens. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it won't, maybe it may not start that way, but, uh, I figure about halfway through we'll start seeing the religious liberty or gun bills or something that stirs up the the base from both sides really that's going to be a really big question is what what social what culture it is. wars yeah. legislation and a lot of times we have even our best predictions prove wrong because surprise issues kind of bubble up sure we didn't you know last year um we talked to um um anti-abortion activists and uh, pro-choice activists, and they were telling us, ah, nothing on that issue is going to come up. And sure enough, you know, we passed one of the most restrictive uh, anti-abortion laws in the country. And, you know, if you'd said that in January, we'd been like, ah, no, it's not going to come up. Yeah. Not going to happen. Two years ago, it was an issue that probably came up around February. It was was the Delta tax break. Mm -hmm. And the Delta tax break Bill was a non-controversial, non-contentious yep. legislation that had arisen before one the step, session. One step away from passing. Yeah, it was one step from passing. And then suddenly Delta took a stance um, uh, basically uh, denying uh, discounts to, to, to the NRA after a school shooting in Florida. And it became a political hot potato. Casey Cagle blocked it when he was lieutenant governor from passing in the Senate. And the next thing you know, it is a national huge story that – that really shaped the rest of that legislative session in 2018 and, and affected the governor's race. Right. And and, and this year, um, all 236 
uh, legislative seats are up. So, um, you know, it's every two years that that occurs. So every two years you get um, you have an election year session, essentially. And, um, you know, they'll they'll find out in I believe March is when they qualify. Right. So Mm -hmm. they'll find out in March whether they have opponents or not. But um, if they do have opponents, uh, you know, if you're a Democrat, you might get somebody running against you from the left uh, who thinks you're too conservative. And if you're a Republican, they'll be have somebody running against you on the right who thinks you're too liberal. So, um, you know, you l- look for those, some of those legislators to uh, maybe either sponsor or uh, get involved in some of these kind of hot button issues. You're right. They'll all be looking over their shoulders. Um, and, and just as much as we've talked about Republicans who are facing um, uh, primary challenge, who could be facing primary challenges because of being seen as insufficiently conservative, for the first time, we'll, we'll start seeing, uh, I think, not for the first time, but we'll start seeing more Democratic challengers, too. Um, you saw Steve Hinson in 2018. He's the Senate Minority Leader from DeKalb County. He faced a really stiff challenge. Almost got beat by the dancing preacher. Yeah, almost got beat by sort of a, a C-list reality TV star, I guess yeah. is how you could describe her. Um, uh, and, and he's decided not to run again. So, you know, that's just one example of the mounting pressure on the other side of the aisle, too. So it's going to be really interesting to see how these politicians cope with it. And already we've seen a range of proposals that are purely political, right, have very little chance of passing from both sides of the aisle that intend to, you know, to state a message. Uh, we've seen um, a, a Senate resolution condemning the impeachment of President Trump. Right. We've seen transgender bills. Yeah, a couple of to, transgender bills. Yeah, block transgender athletes from competing in public high schools. On the Democratic side, you've seen efforts to repeal in the abortion restrictions, right. expand Medicaid, ban firearms, all all Democratic priorities, but also all issues that will barely, uh, you know, they won't even leave the hopper in a Republican-led gold dome. Right, right. There won't even be hearings on a lot of these bills. Um, the question is, as, you, as we said when we started, the question is, which one of these will? Uh, probably, well, not probably, almost certainly it won't be a Democratic one. So you look on the right, uh, and there'll be um, there'll be one or two that will have legs. I think the I think the bill that has a, that you know there'll be some debate on it may have a chance is the bill that would essentially say if you were, for instance, uh, you know you you were born identified as a boy at birth, um, and then you transition or you identify um, differently, that um, would keep you from uh, competing like in a girls' sport or something like that. Uh, I think one of those bills will probably. Um, be a target for um, for Republicans to try to get through, and there's and then there's always there's there's almost undoubtedly there'll be some effort to um, bring back the never-ending um, kind of debate on religious liberty. Yeah. Um, it'll probably be attached to a bill, another bill, and so it'll be you know maybe later in the session, and uh, we'll have that fight all over again. I sat down with the governor um, before the session to talk to him about his, his agenda, and I asked him several times, essentially, if, if he has any, um, if he is going to push any sort of social legislation this year. And each time he didn't say no, but he didn't say yes. So he kind of left his options open. What's going to be really interesting, though, is remember he made uh, a, a range of socially conservative promises. Anti-abortion was one of them, um, but also he, among them were uh, expanding gun rights. And cracking down on illegal immigration, and he also said he'd 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 support a version of religious liberty legislation. So 
my best bet, his, his two proposals that he really is trying to push beyond the budget, and we'll talk about the budget in a second, is a foster care overhaul. Um, to, you know, what he says, it would streamline the foster care and make it easier for, for some of these foster children to be adopted. Um, and secondly, a, a new gang crackdown, a new crackdown in, in, in serious criminal offenders. So I think either one of those could also become a vehicle for some of the social legislation. You could, and this has been tried before, but you could tack on um, religious liberty type restrictions onto, let's say, the foster care and make it harder for same-sex couples to adopt children. Um, and you could, on the same, on the other hand, you could also um, tack on some uh, anti-illegal immigration, some new sanctions for illegal immigrants um, on the, uh, the the gang crackdown legislation too. So I and when I asked him specifically about both, he said uh, it's up to lawmakers. So he's kind of leaving that open. Right, right, yeah. I, that's a, that's the thing is that when he says when any governor says you know I'll, I'll like look at it when it comes to me or um, I'm not going to push it just because you're not pushing it doesn't mean you know in the end they're going to they're not going to sign it um, and they could also work behind the scenes on some of these bills like they you know it's very common yeah what I think everyone under the gold dome um, understands is that this session will be dominated by one of your favorite topics um, the budget and and it's and it's all always you know a very important topic on the legislation in the legislative session but this year it's taken an outsized importance yeah usually it usually is like you know the the legislature goes in because under the Constitution the only thing they have to do is is pass a balanced budget and then they can go home so they could actually you know they could do that in two days if they really want to but um so it's usually something they work on kind of behind the scenes and they get done and they go home and you don't really, you know, if you're, if, if you're like a state employer or a teacher, you know, you, you find out whether you get a raise or not or, you know, the, the average, but the average person doesn't, that, that is not either a state employer or a teacher, um, may not like even notice a lot of it because the state, it, it's such a, uh, a large entity mm-hmm. that it, you don't necessarily pay that much of attention to it. This year, um, uh, because tax revenue has been down in part because the legislature in 2018 cut the state income tax rate, um, Governor Kemp has looked at the numbers and said, you know, things don't look so good. Uh, even though even though the economy remains strong, um, the state budget picture does not because revenue is not coming in. So he uh, has mandated 4% uh, spending cuts this year and 6% next year. So he'll come out um, next week and say, this is what my proposal is. And then the legislature will take it from there and, you know, figure out what they want. But it's 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 a pretty contentious issue because he's, some of the stuff he's implementing, he's implementing, he was implementing without kind of the legislature, you know, taking any role in it, which is kind of traditional. So what are you hearing from House and Senate budget gurus about that? Are they are they frustrated? Are they Well, I think that I think the the fact um, that we've had uh, we had you know consecutive months leading up to the end of the year with a decline in state revenue and and really the this last 6 months we've had pretty poor numbers for tax collections. I think that has bolstered his case and where he came out with a proposal to do this in August, right? And the legislature was like, you know, what's up? Uh, we just passed a bill. We just passed a budget a couple months ago, and you signed it, and you said it was okay. Now all of a sudden we need to cut it? You know, they – and I think there was this uh, this feeling that, you know, they couldn't understand what he was doing, and they couldn't understand why he was doing it. Now I think the numbers have kind of bolstered his 
case. And um, also, I think it's it, it's not you know clear that what he's doing, at least at this point, um, is you know dramatically affecting services. Um, now, doesn't mean it's you know doesn't mean six months from now you're not going to look at it and go like, well, we didn't you know we uh, the lack of food inspectors means you know people are getting sick Salmonella or. You know, the lack of uh, um, child welfare workers means, you know, the case, the cases, uh, case the listings are going up and, and the and children aren't being, you know, uh, or families aren't being looked into enough or, you know, there's a number of things that could be in effect. But right as of this moment, as we go into this session, it's not clear that it's had like, you know, dramatic effect. And there, and there actually hasn't been, they, they eliminated 1,200 vacant jobs as part of this. So um, while that means, you know, those agencies won't be able to fill vacancies, which could be lead to shortages, um, it isn't like there's been a widespread, you know, lane off of staffers. And there's a, there's a few other big pieces to this budget puzzle. And one of them involves the governor's pledge to, to raise teacher pay by $5,000. Right. Right, and he and he made the but he made the pledge. You know, he was he was smart about it. He didn't say I'm going to raise it five thousand dollars a year, yeah. right, or even next year. He said five thousand dollars. I mean, he he didn't have to run for another what you three know years. three years. So, um, you know, he did he put a big down payment on it last year with the three thousand. Um, he's got three more years to give him two thousand. So, uh, I you know I'm, I'm sure that they would you know if if I'm a teacher I certainly would want him to do it next year. But um, that's three or four hundred million dollars to give. The, the last two, you know, the last two per, uh, thousand. So, um, yeah, I, I I don't know that I would expect, be expecting two thousand dollar pay raise. Next yeah, year. he's being he's being kind of tight lipped about it, but but other legislative leaders are are, are kind of casting a, sh- a doubt about whether or not yeah. this year's the year to to get uh, at least all two thousand. There's a chance there could be a smaller yeah. raise yeah. this year in that budget, and then the other. Giant question involves a, a tax cut that right. lawmakers pushed through a couple years ago. Right. So in 2018, when they were busy um, um, being mad at Delta, they uh, they responded to that saying, like, you know, wow, Delta's not going to get a tax break, but you know, everybody else is. And so they passed a bill that reduced the state income to the top state income tax rate from six percent to five point seven five percent, and then. Um, and then said, you know, in 2020, another election year, you can vote to put it down to 5.5%. Now, that that doesn't sound like a lot of money, but the reality is it's like a billion dollars uh, tax cut. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a big, big – probably I can't, I can't remember in my 30 years if there has been a bigger tax cut. Um, and so, th- so, so in the 2020 session, they'll have to decide whether to, you know, reduce it from 5.75 to 5.5%. It's a – Five hundred million dollar hit, so fi- it's five hundred million dollars. People will, that Georgians would save on their income taxes. It's five hundred million dollars less the state would have, which would probably be uh, mean um, more and, and more severe spending cuts um, to state agencies and to, and to state services. However, I think the, there's been a, a pretty strong campaign um, made uh, uh, effort on this to point out that the average Georgian, somebody making fifty or sixty thousand dollars a year, family making that much, 
we'd only get like 50 bucks out of this. I mean, in a year. So it's like $4, $4 a month. Um, you know, you're not, you can't get a tank of gas, you know, $4. So a steak dinner at the end of the year. Bro. Right, right. So it, it's, it's not like it will, would be a huge benefit for the majority of people. Now, if you make a lot of money, it, it, it's going to be, you know, it could be thousands if, you know, if you make, you know, half a million dollars a year, a million dollars a year, something like that. But the average Georgian wouldn't get a whole lot out of it. Now, um, we've talked about social issues in the budget. I polled a bunch of senior lawmakers the other day just to see off the record, you know, what they thought the biggest issues, not for reporting, but just to get, get a gauge for them. And two other issues came up, and both of them um, you've been involved in reporting. The first is, and it's more of a sudden issue, is the film tax credit. Yeah. Oh, that's, There's yeah. been a series of audits that you've yeah. reported on that kind of cast doubts about how effective that program has been. Well, I mean, the first the first audit was about how it was administered. And uh, from reading the responses, and I think really from the auditors, it's clear that to do what auditors think you should be doing on the film tax credit, um, you need more money and you need more people. Because the state... The state um, doles out these tax credits, like up to 30% of, of what a film um, a production says they spend. Mm-hmm. So if they spend, you know, $30 million, uh, or say, say they spend $3 million, they're going to get $900,000 in tax credits. They turn around, because most of those companies are based in California or someplace else, so they, they don't have an income tax, you know, Burden, so they turn around and they sell it to somebody who has, uh, a, you know, that owes money uh, for a little bit. You know, they'll nine hundred million dollars. Excuse me, nine nine hundred thousand dollars in tax credits. They'll sell it to Georgia Power for eight for eight hundred thousand dollars. Georgia Power gets, you know, it's not like they're profiting from this uh, by you know getting it get a discount rate because then they turn around and they that's nine hundred thousand dollars less on their taxes. Yeah. So it's it's like a complicated thing. And one of the issues that was brought up in this audit um, was that the state the state law doesn't say those companies have to be audited. So so auditors went in and they were finding you know that companies were were you know paying for their uh, film company executives to fly around or. Or, uh, Things we're paying, not related to the right, we're, here. Right, and we're paying for gifts for people, um, and then claiming a tax credit on it. So that was that was part of it. So the administration part is like one part of it that I think, and actually I think that's part that the legislature could act on and not, you know, really mess with the tax credit in, in itself, but would like just um, just do a better job of you know administering it um, if they can get the more if they can get more people, which I don't know about either. But and then the second one that just came out. Um, Raised questions about uh, whether this, whether uh, State Department of Economic Development and uh, people who promote the tax have been exaggerating all along the uh, the economic benefit um, of the tax, uh, which because, is a big deal, right? I mean, yeah. for years the state has said it's it it, it supports the film industry supports ninety thousand jobs. Right. It's a multi. You right. know, bazillion dollar industry right. and this really cast aspersions about and, those. and some and you know there's been the academic studies that that you know think that 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 say some of those numbers are exaggerated but still talk about that it is you know it's a, it's a big uh, economic benefit um you know as reporters we're always a little bit skeptical of the multiplier effects that they put on stuff and, and you know the number of jobs um what this this audit takes a little bit different tact in that it says okay uh, film tax credit, you know, provides twenty five thousand jobs. 
for eight hundred and something million dollars that it, you know that 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 it costs. But then it backs out. Well, if you're spending eight hundred million dollars on these tax credits, that's eight hundred million dollars the state is doesn't have and is not spending. So you have to factor in the fact that the state is not, you know, may have fewer teachers and more have more or have it fewer be paid improving health care. Right, right. So it, it kind of like takes it it takes a different tact in that it says, yes, we're creating jobs by giving away these tax credits, but there's a there's a there's a cost on the other end. Yeah. By of, of what you're not spending and what you're not doing. Which is kind of that's kind of timely, considering that we're look, looking at budget cuts. And for years, uh, the film tax credit, especially under Governor Deal's administration, was a sort of the golden, you know, yeah. sacred oh, yeah. cow. It was untouchable. He would go to great lengths to before the session to give deliver speeches or in interviews, essentially say like, "It's untouchable. Don't yeah. mess with it. I'm about to go to Hollywood and, and trumpet how great this is. Right. I will veto anything that attempts to." To uh, you know, to to pair these these tax credits back, it was a it was a point of pride for for a Republican administration, and of course Democrats were, were fans of sure. it too because it tended to um, bring jobs to like blue areas in yeah. the state. And so now we're starting to see a little bit, maybe the beginning of a shift. Because yeah, I, but I don't, you know, in the end, I don't think, uh, you know, Speaker Ralston said, um, you know, he essentially t- said today, don't don't even bother bringing a bill that you know kills it. I, I don't think they're going to. I don't think they're going to no, get rid of it. Gut but it. I, but I but I do think there are things. If you read these audits, there are things that they, um, you know, from a from a um, accountability and from a, a financial standpoint that they ought to be that they ought to be considering that in that that could reduce the amount they spend because you know if if you're auditing there there part of the thing that was in the audit was or one of the things that was in the audit was that that um, they do so little accounting of how of what the the studios say they're spending things on that they could be padding. There's actually, I mean, the audit said that there's incentives for them to pad it. Yeah. So if you actually do a legitimate audit on all these programs, probably you're gonna you're gonna be giving less tax credits. And so, you, I mean, you can almost reduce it without. Uh, but but I, no, but I don't think anybody's gonna have a bill that says we should get rid of it. I agree. It will not be gutted. But what I think what's changed is there's a willingness to revisit portions of the legislation that we never saw before. You know, right. the deal wouldn't allow to go forward. And so so some of the biggest critics of that of the legislation, one of them is State Senator Lindsey Tippins from from a Republican from Cobb County, um, you know, kind of didn't even bother with it. Now he is going to push legislation right. that revisits this. And, you know, Speaker Ralston said um, no, I won't. You know, I won't. I won't consider a bill that guts it. But he said he will consider legislation that that uh, that revisits some of the portions. And pointedly, so did Governor Kemp. I mean, he yeah. given the chance to say no, this is fine. He said no. If lawmakers want to go and, and look at some things back at the bill, go for it. But remember, he. I mean, when he ran, he ran on the idea that, um, and he said this when he announced the, the the budget cuts that he wanted more efficiency in state government. Now you hear that all the time. Every candidate yeah. says they're going to cut fraud and abuse and all that blah 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 stuff. But the reality is that's what he ran on, and and whether he likes the, I mean whether he is a supporter of the film tax credit or not, which I assume he is. Um, you know he can again he can look at it and say there are things that the that that come up here. And the, the, I think the the thing that's most interesting to me is having covered uh, House Ways and Means and Senate Finance for 30 years is legislators like to pass tax breaks 
but they often don't go back and yeah. look and see whether they work or 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 they if they go back it's kind of a superficial study of whether something worked so that that's what's kind of interesting about this to me is that this this is 130 pages of audits uh, the two audits combined uh, around that much and and there's some really specific things that you that kind of are eye opening about about how they've you know, been handled in the past. Yeah, one of the things we'll have to look back at the end of the session and see is the governor, one of his main campaign pledges is he was going to um, review every tax break in Georgia, except for one. And the one he didn't feel like needed review was film tax credit. Oh, is that right? I don't he remember said, that. That's he funny. said the film tax credit has already been reviewed. Uh, it is already kind of held up under scrutiny. Yeah. But w- you're right, because Every year, there's a near the end of the what do you call it? It's the Christmas tree bill near the yeah, end of the year, yeah. where there's a, just a, a ton of, of tax breaks. Uh, you you wrote about thirty stories about the yacht tax break, oh, the yeah. yacht building tax yep. break, and you know these are these are small pieces of legislation that 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 you know can kind of sneak through and they near, add up near the finish line, but they add up. Well, they don't really sneak through because I'm always you watch them, on but, it. Yeah. but but the reality they can, is, they yeah, try to sneak. Yeah, through. and and they and and they add up because it's like you know one million, two million, three million. There's little little amounts that add up to a lot of money when you look over the course of 10, 20 years of of you know things that were were passed. And again, sometimes they sometimes they, you know. And the other thing is, is some of the, some of it may being studied more than we know, but the public is not, you know, privy to what the legislature knows because they're not subject to the Open Records Act. Yeah. And the second issue that I keep on hearing about from legislative leaders, and who knows if it will blow up or not, but is one that came came up last year in a major way and it's still alive uh, this year, and that is the airport takeover. The, uh, the state legislative effort to exert more oversight and control over Atlanta's crown jewel, the, the Hartsville-Jackson International and Airport. So did you do air quotes when you said exert more influence? Exert more influence. <laughs> I should I should have. But yeah, exactly that. And yeah. and the city's trying to stave off the, that preemptively by, you know, getting a new inspector general, getting more, you know, oversight uh, of its own and audit powers and, and all that. But this is a, a major political battle and one that Governor Kemp kind of stayed out of last yep. year. Yeah. Um, shortly after the session, we we got documents uh, that showed in prepared remarks that he never actually delivered. Um, he said that he was against <laughs> the, the airport takeover. Yeah. Uh, well, this year it's it's coming. It's it's surely coming back, and it's going to be a really tough debate. Yeah, and and it's it's um, you know first of all, the city probably has uh, people they might want to lobby or the. U.S. Attorney's Office to make sure there aren't any more indictments that come out right before, like yeah, in March or something pack. like that. Right, yeah. right, right, exactly. Um, but yeah, it's last year it got tangled in a lot of. It was it was very interesting because because it got tangled in the, the, the Delta debate because House the House um, wouldn't take it up essentially. I, mean, I think they wanted to have a study committee. Or I forgot what it was, but it was and they weren't really going to you know they were only really going to go with the uh, what the Senate wanted on it. And um, the 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 House wanted you know tacked on a bill to to give a more longer term tax break to um, on jet fuel, which mostly helps Delta, um, and uh, which Governor Kemp wanted. And uh, the Senate turned or the Senate turned around and then said, "Okay, well you want that? We're gonna we want more. We want like dramatically more money to fund uh, airport improvements at." the 100 small town airstrips yeah. and airports around around the uh, the state um, and then you know and then, and then you just locked down they just said you know we're not going to do anything on it and um, I, I don't know that 
uh, the thing is, is this is another one of those issues where I think that, you know, the Senate could zip through the Senate um, after some fierce debate. But I don't know that Speaker Ralston is, uh, you know, help on um, on um, taking over the Atlanta airport. I don't yeah. think he needs the headache, frankly. Well, we'll see. Uh, the schedule starts Sunday with Wild Hog. Monday, the session opens. Wednesday is Eggs and Issues, which is the annual big Chamber of Commerce event with that attracts all the state's top leaders. And then um, Thursday is the governor's State of the State, where he'll outline his budget priorities and his agenda. Yep. That's, the, that's mo- really the starting gun. I know. After he does that, it's like, okay, now we go to work. Yeah. What are you most looking forward to? How do you know that? The budget. <laughs> the budget. There we go. Well, thanks, James, for joining us. You're welcome. That's all for this edition of the Politically Georgia podcast. Visit AJC.com slash politics for all the latest in Georgia news. I'm Greg Bluestein signing off. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox. So sign up for free today at AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. That's all one word. AJC.com slash indictment newsletter.